Well, if you have been with us for the past seven weeks, you know that we've been using a special group of chapters out of the book of Psalms called the Psalms of Ascent or the Songs of Ascent. Uh, Back in the day of the ancient Israelite people, instead of singing a hundred bottles of beer on the wall or playing the license plate game from the backseat of the car, the ancient Jewish travelers used to sing these songs with their families as they traveled on foot to Jerusalem to worship in the temple. And we've been seeing that as a group, these psalms symbolize what it is like for us to travel with Jesus, following in his path each step of the way. And so I'd like to invite you to listen along as I read Psalm 129 this morning. A song of ascents, a prayer for the overthrow of God's enemies. Many times they have attacked me from my youth up. Let Israel say, many times they have attacked me from my youth up, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They lengthened their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He has cut up the ropes of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. May they be like grass upon the housetops, which withers before it grows up, with which the harvester does not fill his hand, or the binder of sheaves his arms. Nor do those who pass by say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Well, Psalm 129 is really a song about perseverance. If we're going to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ, we have to learn to develop this characteristic in our life. People who achieve in life or in any area have developed the ability to stay at it, to never quit, to keep on keeping on. Some people call it grit or tenacity or endurance or persistence or diligence or determination, even stubbornness. But without it, Whatever we put our hand to won't succeed. And that is especially true when it comes to living the Christian life. That's because as we try and stand for what is right and what is godly, it will seem at times that everyone and everything is against us. And so it pays to persevere. Did you know that Thomas Edison had hundreds of failed experiments before he succeeded in making the first electric light bulb? Jonas Salk failed over 200 times before he found the right vaccine for polio. General Douglas MacArthur was rejected twice before he was allowed to enter West Point Military Academy. Did you know that in art school, Charles Schultz received a failing grade for his ability to draw children? And Michael Jordan, the basketball player, didn't make his high school varsity team, but he kept on trying. We know their names because these are people who did not quit. Psalm 129 is all about sticking with a task, determining to continue on regardless of the outcomes the opposition, or the setbacks. That's because perseverance is a sign of genuine faith. And authentic Christian faith produces a life of faithfulness. The Christian life is a cooperative effort. We do our part, and God does his part. That means whether we feel like it or not, 
we continue to trust God and live for him, relying on his strength. Well, the psalm writer begins in verses 1 and 2 by describing his lifetime of opposition. In essence, he says, they've kicked me around ever since I was a kid. And then he calls for his listeners to repeat that refrain. The enemies of Israel tried everything, but nothing worked. They have not prevailed against me, the psalmist writes. You see, this is a healthy refusal to give in to discouragement. He's taking it personally, and he's speaking for the nation of Israel as well. Israel was persecuted, but never forgotten by the Lord. Perseverance is not passive resignation. It's not putting up with things the way they are. But it is growing stronger through the storms of life, weathering them and becoming better able to withstand the adversity that does come against us. Perseverance is not perfection. We continue on through our successes and our failures, and we learn from both. Even when we fall, we get up and we keep going. That is what Christian perseverance is. But unlike Israel, our enemy is far more subtle. It's not an army marching against us. It's not a bully in the dark alley. Our enemy, Satan, prowls about like a lion, seeking whom he might devour. But we know, as loud as he roars, he's already been defeated. And now, his goal is simply to take us down with him. So we may be persecuted but we are not destroyed. In verse 3, the psalmist offers kind of a gruesome image of an enemy attack. He says it's like cutting gashes, like a farmer plows a field, gashes are cut on his back. It is as though Israel has been forced to, to lie down on the ground and plows run over the nation's back. There's blood and there's pain and there's back and forth cruelty. That's likely a a reference to to cuts made by a whip. Israel had been lashed mercilessly by her enemies. But then comes verse 4. The harness cords, the ropes connecting the plow to the oxen are severed. The plows of persecution stop functioning. And why is that? Well, the psalmist says, because the Lord has cut me free from the cords of the wicked. This is a reference to the deliverance from slavery and tyranny that Israel experienced so often. Like Israel, we are able to persevere because, as we see in verse 4, the Lord is righteous. This describes his relationship with us. God is righteous in how he deals with us. Perseverance is is not the result of our determination. It's not self-generated. It's the result of God's goodness, of God's faithfulness. We survive not because we have such extraordinary stamina, but because God is righteous, because he has severed the cords that connect us to our persecutor, Satan. He rescues us. His people. What a blessing. Author Eugene Peterson writes this. He says, The way of faith is not a fad that is taken up in one century only to be discarded in the next. It lasts. 
It is a way that works. It has been tested thoroughly. And that is true of our faith. Christians who have come before us are our example of perseverance and faithfulness. They endured, and we too can endure. And so how do we respond to our enemies? Well, we defend ourselves, but we also let God deal with them. It doesn't mean that we idly stand by and let ourselves be abused, but it means that when we are being mistreated, the first person we should go to is the Lord. Verse 5 is a prayer for vindication, asking God to fight our battles. The writer is honest. He's even angry, angry enough to ask God to take action. May all who hate Zion be turned back in shame, he writes. Zion is another name for the hilly geography of Jerusalem, and it often refers to the entire land of Israel. God causes the enemies of his people to retreat in humiliation. You see, the psalm writer is passionate about his pain and God's power. People who give up become apathetic and indifferent and dismissive of God's power. But people who persevere stick to it because they know God is righteous. Psalm 129 is the gutsy prayer of a person who cares deeply enough to ask God to intervene and to provide vindication. God's enemies will be turned back. Their destiny is defeat. Well, then the author of the psalm goes on to describe just how those enemies are foiled. That's in verses 6 and 7. He says, they will be like grass on the roof. Now, the homes in Israel were flat-topped, and they were constructed of, of beams covered with branches, and then dirt was spread out over the roof for insulation. And so when it rained, seeds would sprout and grow from that dirt, but the grass didn't last because of that very, very thin soil. And so the grass quickly was scorched by the heat of the sun, and it withered and died. There isn't even a handful left for a harvest. And that is the psalmist's request. He wants the plans of the wicked to shrivel up and become utterly futile. Well, throughout Israel's history, God used all kinds of pagan nations to discipline his people. But then God judged those nations as well. It was humbling for Israel, but they emerged stronger and more united. Well, you know what? God doesn't expect us to be neutral in our prayers either. We're free to pray, deliver us from evil, God. And when we're being opposed by Satan, by our enemies, we're not looking for a ceasefire. We want victory. And it's perfectly appropriate to ask God for this. You see, Psalm 129 is about perseverance and survival, focusing on the most enduring people on the planet, a nation set apart by God, the nation of Israel. But the psalm is about you and me as well. The church is the Israel of the new covenant. As Christians, we are included in this promise of survival and victory. We are more than conquerors because of our faith in Jesus and because of the strength of his Holy Spirit in us helping us to persevere beyond what we think we are able to handle. 
praise God for his help and for his victory in which we, his children, participate. Will you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful that we have been invited into your eternal kingdom. Father, thank you that we can be confident that we are on the winning team, that we are children of victory because of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your plan and for inviting us in to that plan. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, you know, we can claim victory because of our Messiah's suffering. The prophet Isaiah writes these words. He says, speaking of the Messiah, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Jesus was literally scourged. He was whipped. His back was plowed by the lash. And he shed his blood to grant us life eternal. And so in that Isaiah passage in chapter 53 and verse 5, he ends it by saying, with his stripes, we are healed. Well, today we're going to share together in communion. And I invite you to share with me as we are reminded of the price that Jesus paid so that we might achieve this wonderful victory. And so this morning... We share together in the bread. The bread, Jesus' body, bruised for our iniquities. And the cup, the blood of Jesus, shed for our transgressions. By his stripes, we are healed. We may be oppressed, we may be attacked by the evil one, but we are never consumed. We will persevere, we will prevail, we will outlast our oppressor. We may be knocked down, but we are never knocked out. And so today I say to you, if you're tempted to quit, if you feel like you're a failure in life or in business or in your marriage or as a parent or as a student, Maybe you, you feel a bit like the writer of this psalm. They've kicked me around since my childhood. You've had it tough for a long time and it's getting old. Maybe you just want to throw in the towel. I want to say to you, because of this psalm, be reminded, don't give up. Don't give up. If we ask God for his purpose in, his, in our life, he will give us the strength to go on. If we will refuse to fear failure and instead see it, as a teacher, if we trust in God instead of ourselves, then we can get up, we can endure, we can be victorious. And so today I say to you, go in strength. Thanks for joining me today. I hope that you have a wonderful day in the Lord. God bless you.